Hey dudes, this is The Big Game. I'm your host, Justin Hargett. This week we're going to talk about skateboarding for the second time on this podcast. Nick Courage returns to the show to break down the latest event in the street league skateboarding circuit. This one took place this past weekend in Newark, New Jersey. And if, if this podcast entertains, if you get into this kind of thing here, then you can watch the finals of the street league skateboarding next month on Fox Sports 1. You can also watch a bunch of the preliminary and semifinal runs online at streetleague.com. And even if you're not interested in watching sort of the competition aspect of the SLS, then I'd still recommend a documentary that Nick mentions very early in the podcast called The Motivation, which is now streaming on Netflix. I watched it after we had this conversation and I wish that I'd had I wish I'd known about it early enough uh, just to just to give a little bit more backstory to to the to the characters, the skaters, the people that were watching compete in these finals. Um, the documentary follows eight of the biggest skateboarders, a handful of which we talk about here uh, on today's podcast. So if you dig what we're talking about, then go to your Netflix account and check out the motivation. Uh, to see like a little bit more of a, of a story involving the people that we're talking about here uh, on Street League Skateboarding. So put on your Vans, pull up your tube socks, and grab a Monster Energy drink, because we're about to talk about a whole bunch of kickflips and shit. Hey Nick, welcome back to The Big Game. Thank you for having me. So excited to have you back to talk about skateboarding. Uh, we covered the Summer X Games just a few short months ago, and, and now we're here today to talk about Street League Skateboarding, uh, which is just a series of three or four events that happen um, every summer for the last couple of years that are sponsored by Nike, I believe. And so this, uh, this past Sunday, the I don't know if this is like exactly, it's not, we're not in the finals, but it's like the second to last event before the Street League finals um, in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, so we're here to talk about that event today. What did you think, you know, first impressions of street league skateboarding on TV? Um, well, you know, I've, I've watched some street leagues before, but I've only ever watched the finals before. Um, and actually, I had watched a movie about the street league just a few, a, few, uh, a few weeks ago called The Motivation. Have you seen that movie? No. Uh-uh. Where it was the finals. And Rob Durdeck, who is sort of the, the mastermind behind street league and the founder of alien workshop and he had an mtv series i didn't watch so his thing for the finals is to make big scary sets for the skaters to 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 skate on so that's what i've seen are like the enormous hubbas and like uh the big scary jumps um and they and they do look sort of like fantasy factory ish yeah um and i hadn't i'd only watched those sort of like the final the big games um, and this one was sort of like, you know, the, the lead up and everything was a little bit more normal, um, which as somebody who likes normal sort of like curb skateboarding really appealed to me. Um, yeah, I think I remember now they showed him, it was, it was either him or somebody else, but it, it must've been him if he designs all the sets. Um, just a little like short two minute feature explaining all of the different spots on the course. And he was just kind of saying, like, you know, we, we built this so that there's a little bit for everyone so that, mm-hmm. you know, everyone can kind of capitalize on what they do best. Um, but this one just seemed, like you are saying, it seemed really simple, a lot of ledges and rails and boxes, but also a lot of space. Like, I really liked watching uh, a guy like Chaz Ortiz in the finals, who's, mm-hmm. like, very, very technical. And when he would set up for his best trick, 
which we'll we'll talk about and we'll set up what the best trick competition was. But he would skate like almost all the way across the course, not very fast, but just you know yeah. just kind of like moderately paced. And yeah. then once he got to the end, he would do like a kickflip and a grind off like the very last obstacle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I um, Rob Rob Durdak, I owe him a lot because my first skateboard was actually an Alien Workshop board. <laughs> and over the years, he's sort of gone through periods of um, being a little bit ridiculous and and being kind of a normal cool person. I don't actually know where he is now, but he does put a lot of thought into the courses for Street League, which is um, you know it's it's a little bit boring because they're inside a stadium and you see the bleachers and it's not like an escape video where you're at a school and you see the people passing by and there are the altercations with the cops, which is for <laughs> me a lot of the, the enjoyment that I get out of you know watching skateboarding is the sort of doing the tricks out in the world. So it still feels like you're in a terrarium. It feels or, or like a biodome. It's a little bit contained, but, um, but it seems like a fun, it seems like a fun course. And the X games course, like just looked hot and miserable. Yeah. And you know what, what was also good about this one, even though it was in a stadium and, and like you said, a little bit contained, the crowd was really, really into it. Um, yeah, they were specifically, yeah. I'm thinking of, uh, Matt Berger's second try on the best competition, <laughs> Where he, I don't, I can't. Just, maybe you can describe what he does, but he, he, he gets up onto a big ledge and he like kind of grinds down it backwards, maybe like a, mm -hmm. and then he he lands like real funny and and he got like a like a decent score, but the crowd just like revolted. They were having none of it. They wanted it to be a much higher score, and I thought that was that energy of the crowd was really good, especially compared to the lackluster energy of the X Games. Well, you know, I thought that was a really interesting moment because. In Street League, it's all about the points, right? Um, and I don't know, the, the color commenters for the semifinals, um, their whole thing was a skateboarder would come out, they'd introduce like the, the heats, the, uh, you know, the four or five skateboarders who are in each heat, and they'd be like, look at the smile on him. He's just got a great smile. He's so happy to be here. If it was, if, if, if it was based on smiles alone, I'd, I'd give him the <laughs> award right now. I thought it was really weird. Like, it was just like really personality focused, but the street league isn't personality focused. It's all score, score based, um, for, for better or for worse. Um, and when, when Berger landed that trick, Berger landed that trick, he was sort of like pumping his pumping his fists and like he was skating backwards and he looked sort of like um, like a champion yeah. in, the, in the Coliseum or something. Yeah, and he was playing the crowd. And I watched that trick about four times. And like, listen, I couldn't have done anything anybody there did. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm not at a place where I'm like critiquing people skating. It was an amazing trick. But I mean... He definitely um, made it seem about 200% cooler than I think it actually was. Yeah. You know, so um, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> you know what? Uh, there was something that they quoted Luan Oliveira saying early in the competition where he said, don't look at the points, just skate. And that's kind of his philosophy. Um, and I think you and I are both on, like, firmly on the record on this podcast as saying we don't really care about points and we're more interested in watching, like, cool skating and energy and style and, like, and so I, I think it's kind of fitting that, that the guy that says, don't look at the points, just skate, is ultimately the guy that won the competition, uh, which means maybe we should get into a little bit of what, what this competition was, who yeah, won, sure. who placed, who lost. So I'll start just by saying that uh, I, uh, Fox airs the, only the finals of the Street League skateboarding, but you were able to watch a lot of the semifinals online on their website. 
But so yeah. so for me, I just I just saw like the kind of last hour and a half of of the the event, and what that consists of is eight skaters, each gets two 45 second quote unquote flow sections where they have you know just 45 seconds to roam around the course and put in as many tricks as they can, and then they have five attempts to land uh, the best one trick take that they can that they can land. Um, so, was, you know, I, what I liked so much about this was only watching the finals made it really breeze by. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what did you think of, you know, kind of watching some of the semifinals and then some of the highlights from the finals? So I watched three hours of semifinals, which was <laughs> a little bit too much skateboarding, even for me, um, especially sort of in, in that contained area. It was 26 skateboarders. What I loved about the semifinals is that once you get to the finals, it's a lot of, for, for this kind of competition where it's very technical, um, it's a lot of the skateboarders that I don't really know very well or that I don't um, personally, they're not my favorite skaters. But in the semifinals, there were a lot of uh, skaters that I knew and that I really liked, like David Gonzalez. He's awesome. Louis Lopez was awesome. Tom Asta, um, Evan Smith. Who else was there? Ishad Ware. There were these sort of the thrasher skaters. Yeah, David um, Gonzalez was the skater of the year, right? Didn't you? I think you yeah, he was. The last one. And also Ishad Ware was the skater of the year. Um, and they, I don't think they made it to the finals. And who else was there? Uh, the Tommy Sandoval, who sort of looks like a pirate um, <laughs> and is a bigger guy. And I love seeing, as we were talking about before the podcast, I love seeing the bigger guys skate. Because once you get into the finals, with the ex- exception of Chris Cole, you have a bunch of guys who are like 5'7 and probably not more than 145 pounds. Um, and they skate very differently than the skaters who are like 180 <laughs> or 190 pounds and 6 feet tall. Yeah. Um, There was Matt Miller from Pittsburgh and he was awesome because, uh, he didn't, he didn't have, he didn't have the, the sort of the best landings. I think they called him, uh, they were, they coming up with nicknames for him. I think they called him squirrely feet or something, but he has a really high Ollie. So where a lot of skateboarders go to the side of a, of a bar and grind, he was coming up behind the bar, jumping over the bar and landing on it, um, sort of in a straight line with the bar. And he did that a bunch of times, and it was just, like, super cool to watch. Um, there was uh, th- this guy who, who the commentator said won in practice, whatever that means, um, totally, totally wrecked on the course. But he did, like, a, a wall ride to a big spin and then uh, on one of the quarter pipes, and he focused his board, which means, like, he basically split his board in half, but he landed it mm-hmm. and, and rolled down the ramp on this completely split-in-half board, which oh, was awesome. awesome. Um, and he was sort of just like making up tricks on the spot. Um, and you see that in the semifinals. When you're in the finals and there's like $200,000 on the line sort of more directly, you don't see people fool around so much, <laughs> you know. And I think these guys know going in, like the people who are like, they're 26 people, you kind of know who the top 10 are going to be. So if you're maybe Evan Smith, you feel like maybe if you're not, he was in the top, he's in the top 10 for the street league now. But I, I feel like he thinks like, I'm not going to take home first prize in this so i'm just gonna have some fun yeah maybe uh, get some notoriety for for yeah. know, landing a trick where you break your board in half and stay on yeah it. yeah and david gonzalez man he skates so fast and aggressively like he skates like a heavy metal song and he looks like he skates like a heavy metal song <laughs> and you don't you don't see that in the finals really but like watching somebody skate like that where it's like whoa if this guy falls like he's gonna have a compound fracture um you don't want to see that but that kind of passion and speed is really kind of exhilarating um 
There was one skater in the finals that I really liked. Uh, he did. I don't think he scored very high. But his name was Ryan DeZenzo, and he, mm-hmm. he would do that thing where he would sprint across the course yeah. and get as fast as he could. And then, like, on uh, DeZenzo's fifth take on the best trick, he's full speed going across the course, and then he kickflips into a 50-50 grind. And I think I remember that grind just being, like, really long and really fast. Is that the one where he he made, like, an enormous jump and, like, was in the air for most of the rail? Maybe. That was amazing. Yeah, he was definitely the, the least buttoned up of the skaters in the, in the finals. Um, he was fun to watch for sure. Um, so one of the things that I liked that kind of helped me enjoy the Street League more than the X Games was the mm-hmm. fact that the commentators spent some time describing the tricks that were happening. Mm-hmm. So that by the end of the hour and a half, like I was kind of writing things down be, just because I I knew what they were now. Like after you yeah. know, people were walking me through it for the first you know thirty minutes, I'm like okay, and I started recognizing the things that they were talking about. And so yeah. that was that was one of my favorite parts. And and you know last time we did the podcast, we were able to get Bob Bernquist to give us a little bit of a retweet shout out on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. So I'm hoping that I'm hoping that this time around we'll get some love uh, from Van's shoe icon Jeff Raleigh. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. He also sells knives. <laughs> Just FYI, if you follow him on Instagram. <laughs> Aside from the knives, you know, I, I liked that they described the tricks a little bit more, um, but they didn't have a lot of energy. What, what was no. the difference between the semifinal announcers and the finals announcers? So in the finals, you hear the, the, the men announcing, and in the background, you know, in the sort of crowd noise, you hear, like, the, the Charlie Brown adult voices, like, wah, 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 and they're, like, constantly talking, and you can kind of hear it go in waves. Um, those were the semifinal announcers, um, and they were possibly a little bit drunk, um, <laughs> and they were basically there for the crowd, at this at the stadium um and they were describing every trick as it happened but like literally every trick they described so i felt like watching it i, I like you were saying i really understood what was going on because like move so fast that sometimes like you know that there's like a nollie happening mm-hmm. but when there are a ton of spins spins in and spins out and sometimes you don't like really at least i sometimes don't know like when somebody switch and when somebody's not skating switch it, it was like really helpful um and and the announcers just just generally were gregarious and and sounded like they knew what they were talking about unlike tony hawk and the x games who was just sounded like a stereotype if you remember like he sounded like a 16 year old california kid who was a little bit high um <laughs> I really, really, really liked those guys. And then when the final announcers came on, you could tell that they were there for a televised, uh, like a, a televised tournament. Um, and they were very narrative focused. So they were describing some tricks, but there was still sort of that backstory, you know, like this guy came over from, you know, from Puerto Rico, the X number of people are watching him in Puerto Rico or, you know, whatever. Um, and I felt like they kind of let four or five tricks go by without without mention yeah that certainly that certainly happened i think i think they were kind of like an in-between between like the good semifinals announcers and the terrible x games like over the top announcers which which i think i can appreciate for a sport that is trying to get some some eyes and some ears on you know the fox sports channel um which i'm I, you know i'm just glad that they show it uh 
So I am too. If, yeah. they, if they kind of have to be a little, uh, you know, a little uh, bland, then I guess I'll take it. I just kind of, I, I was hoping that they would have a little bit more enthusiasm. They, you know, they seemed kind of understated in their yes. excitement for for the skating, and and I, and I think this. I mean, it's just oh, the, it's just the kind of sport where like yeah. that excitement is contagious, and if you can, you know, yeah. if you can describe what's happening, and you know, uh, have an enthusiasm for it, I think the audience will really catch on and, and feel that same sort of euphoria. Well, you know, <laughs> the uh, the semifinals announcers, one of them at one point, like they were they were getting really into it, and one of them at one point said he landed that like he was. He just was fishing off the coast of New Jersey and was really in an enormous <laughs> trout. That kind of that's like color commentary, you know. And I was like, "Yeah, awesome! This is this is fantastic. This is what I want to hear." And that definitely was not happening during the the Fox Sports cast. In in terms of like making skateboarding accessible, I have this question. I don't know what the answer is, but to me, everything those guys, everything they do looks impossible. So. I don't know if it's better for an audience that doesn't know at all, who knows less about skateboarding than me, to get the play-by-play, like everything that's happening. So the semifinals announcers would say, this trick looks really easy, but it's actually really hard. Mm -hmm. And then they would sort of describe what the trick was, and they would say, I couldn't do that. (laughs) And for me, I thought that was like really useful, because if you're just watching Nija skating effortlessly in the finals, and you're kind of hearing about his mom, or, you know, he has, a, he has a personal history that people love to talk about. He grew up in a skate park. You know, he has issues with his dad. And, like, that's what you usually, that's what you hear usually during these, during these competitions. And you don't hear, like, I, cu- I couldn't do that. Most people can't do that. So, yeah. So, no, I, wanna, I actually want to spend a little bit of time here to talk about two skaters. Um, the guys that finished in first place and in second place. Luan Oliveira, who won, and Nigel Houston, who, who came in as the runner-up and who we've talked about quite a bit on the past uh, podcast. Uh, Luan was, sure. is, is quote-unquote, the people's champ. And what I liked about watching his is he did a lot of flip tricks, which I think is, you know, one of... Well, I, I don't know. I, for, for me, it's, it's always impressive um, if you can do those consistently and always land them, which it seemed like he was just landing flip tricks at will. But in the way that he was also able to combine them into uh, combinations of, you know, kickflip up onto a rail and then grind across it and yeah. then flip out. And it was just, it was really impressive. And, and one of the things the commentator said was that, you know, they have no idea what he's going to do next. Like, he doesn't do the same run each time. Whereas, you know, that's yeah. something we've con- critiqued about Nigel Houston at the X Games. He just did the same run over and over again until he could, you know, perfect it for, you know, optimal points. And I think mm-hmm. he... I think he switched it up a little bit on this, uh, although with only, you know, two quote unquote, I can't bring myself, I can't bring myself to say this seriously, but the flow section, even though we only get like two of those, I think it would have been more interesting to see maybe like one more, um, just to see how, Mm -hmm. how skaters are able to do it again. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just, what did, what did you think of these two in this competition specifically? Yeah. So I'm going to do what the commentators always do, and I'm going to just bring up Nyjah's sort of early early years as a skateboarder. So his, his parents bought a skate park when he was like three years old, and every day he would go skating. He's on the record as being like, yeah, my parents didn't really care about me going to school. So if you want to know how to get like really great at skateboarding, that's sort of one way to prioritize. <laughs> and basically his mom, in this documentary I just watched, the, the Motivation, his mom said that he would go to the skate park and he had... Um, 
a series of tricks that he would do in order before he would try to learn new tricks. So he would be there for hours if he didn't, you know, like he would learn a trick and the next day he would learn a trick and another trick and it would sort of, he would uh, accumulate tricks like that. And every time he went to the skate park, he would have to do all the tricks he learned. And I think that you see that before he started skate skating. And I think you see that in his skate style. He is uh, very mechanical. He doesn't have a lot of, uh, the Fox, Fox called it the flow section online at the street league. They just called it their runs. Um, <laughs> I think flow is really funny because he didn't really, ha- he doesn't have a lot of, he has a lot of skill. I don't think he has a ton of flow. Skaters like Luan, I mean, he was banging. You had no idea what he was going to do. He was fantastic. There was another skateboarder who's, who's really young and really fantastic. I would recommend checking out his runs or, or flow sections. Uh, Louis Lopez, he was another one where it was like, you thought he was going to do something at, you know, straight, and then he would go at like a 70 degree angle, and then he would just, he was just zigzagging all over the place, which is just super fun to watch. Um, Which Luan was, the other thing about Luan was that when he finished his runs, when the buzzer rang, he would just keep skating. He would go up ramps, he would like, he would keep doing sort of like impossible, awesome tricks. Um, And a skateboarder like Nijas, you know, stops at the buzzer, you know? Yeah, I think, no, I think that's a great way to describe the difference. And and kind of the way that that came came out on the TV for me is that I was totally behind Luan the entire time. And maybe it was just this past history that that we have talking about Nijas, but I kind of felt like he was really Schadenfreude's skater. It was like every time, like, he would, like, put up a zero... Or, like, you know, he just, like, totally bailed on a grind. Or he was trying to pull something out so incredible because he needed a high score. And just, like, kind of seeing him bust it. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess I, like, I want to root for him just to switch it up and just... Nigel has won 16 of these street leagues. Just the street league. Um, he is, like, the opposite of an underdog. So I think it's fair, even if he was a super fun skateboarder, um, to, to root against him just because he's won like 90% of the street leagues. Um, and if you, if you sort of do the math and there's like a $200,000 purse, like he's just not an underdog. There's something that the, they were talking about at the beginning of the broadcast where they're explaining the sort of the um, unquantifiables of judging. You know, there's, there's um, you know, the difficulty of the trick, um, you know how well you pull it off, and like the style you pull, the the style with which you pull off a trick, and you know part of me, like kind of like the number side of me, wants everything to be easily quantifiable mm-hmm. and just, and I feel like that's the side where Nija and and skaters like Nija, they they see how to win the course, and they plan that, and then they you know practice until they can execute it perfectly, and then there's the other side of me that I think is more aligned and in tune with, with what you enjoy about skating, which is the spontaneity, the recklessness, the sort of creativity involved. And like that is not quantifiable, or, 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 or maybe it shouldn't be quantifiable. And so I, I think the, the, the race here and the race that going into the next event between, between these two guys is sort of between that point system versus that sort of unquantifiableness of, of skateboarding. Although for Luan, he had points down too. So what was sort of amazing for me, to, because I had, I had not seen Luan really skate before, and he's been in all the street leagues, which have been happening since like 2010. He's been around. 
I had I just hadn't seen him for whatever reason. Um, he was like nailing. I mean, obviously he won. He was nailing them um, as with with the same sort of regularity as Naja. He just looked like he was having fun doing it. The other thing that he looked like was he. Was, there were moments where you could see like a nervousness on his face or like. I'm going for it. Like there's that that moment of going for it, and because when Nisha skates on his face, you see him landing it before he even starts the trick. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's not really um, it's hard to root for somebody who who is like seems barely there. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Maybe that's maybe that's unfair. But well, um, no, that's interesting because I mean I I think for sports that I don't necessarily watch all the time like tennis or golf, watching perfection is kind of the most interesting thing where, you know, Tiger mm-hmm. Woods in his heyday or Roger Federer or, you know, currently Novak Djokovic, guys that just are so dominant at what they do that they make everyone else look like a chump. But for some reason, I, I think it's really interesting that, that skateboarding has this sort of dichotomy of that perfection versus spontaneity. Well, you know, the, the, the commentator, I don't know if it was the finals or the semifinals, they were saying that actually his effortlessness was working against him and that if he had been a skater like Chris Cole, who everything he does looks like a Herculean effort, um, he, I, when I go skateboarding, I feel a lot like Chris Cole, just sort of like <laughs> a hulking man on a tiny board and like even the tiniest jump um, is an effort, you know, like you see me jumping when you see Luan and Nyjah skating or that those guys in the finals, you, you don't see them jumping. You see the boards or it looks impossible. Like they're hovering. They're not jumping for some of the big guys. They're, they're, they're jumping. And when they do a crazy trick, um, I think the judges see that effort and they're like, holy crap, we're going to give this guy a nine. And for Nyjah, you really have to, like look past the effortlessness and and like remind yourself that that what he's doing is actually incredibly difficult. Yeah, totally. It I, when I uh, so to get ready for this podcast, I was telling you that I I bought a Monster Energy drink, which I've been slamming for the entire podcast. <laughs> uh, and dear Monster Energy, you can send that check to the Big Game, courtesy of uh, Justin Hargett. And uh, and then I went out and I went skateboarding this afternoon, and. Yeah, I'm a big guy. I'm 6'3". I'm over 200 pounds. And uh, the biggest accomplishment for me after being inspired by, by the street league last night was, uh, was going off a three-inch curb and, and not falling on my ass. So, so yeah, no, it's, it's, it's crazy and fun to watch what they can do and how easy they make kick flips and heel flips and nollie flips look. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I guess I hope it's as inspiring to, like, uh, nimble... <laughs> to use your phrase, bird-boned kids out there skateboarding today as, as it was to, uh, <laughs> to a guy in his 30s. Those skating days are probably long past him. Uh, yeah, so, like, there, there's a middle ground there. I think once skateboarding gets into this sort of, like, there is a glamorous element of skateboarding now where there are some guys who are making millions of dollars, and there's somebody like Ryan Sheckler. He didn't make it into the, the finals, I don't think, but in this documentary on the Street League that I watched, uh, Rob Durdeck he was going around and he was saying, you know, just how much each of these skaters had on the line in terms of sponsorships. And so the documentary followed them sort of practicing up to the street league. And then Rob Durdick would come in and be like, well, you know, Paul Rodriguez, these Nike skaters, Nike pays them to win. And, you know, like he's worth millions of dollars right now. 
And so, of course, he has like a lot on the line. Uh, same thing with, uh, with Ryan Sheckler, who had an MTV show, which I didn't know about. Um, Ryan Sheckler, to me, is relatable in that he seems like the kid that when you go on a beach vacation with your family and rent a house, he's like the kid that you make friends with grudgingly. Um, and there's not somebody like him in your life, and you're kind of happy about that, but he's fun at the beach. Uh, and he's the kid who maybe smokes when he's 12. Um, <laughs> Yeah, anyway, so I mean, that's like a really interesting element of skateboarding now. And then you have brands that are coming to reflect that. Um, and they're doing like a lot of really glam stuff. And it's kind of fun for kids. But then when you can't afford the gear um, and you can't afford the look, then I think skateboarding has sort of like separated itself from, you know, the kids yeah. who are supporting it. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, it's it's kind of like a double-edged sword. It's like, I wish that this stuff was on much more than three or four times a year. Um, and that the, I, I kind of just wish that there was more to watch and, and, you know, more opportunities for different kinds of skaters to get time on TV and like, you know, like get their own sort of, you know, different, uh, endorsement deals. And so they can kind of keep doing what they're doing. Um, but at the same time, the more popular it becomes, the more money gets invested in it. And, and the more that this will become like the X games, it's just sort of like a rote sort of, uh, yeah. cash in for, for different, you know, the guys that can, yeah they can do it the best. Um, but let's go out, let's go out on a high note here. Um, what was your favorite trick that, uh, somebody pulled off that you saw? You know, I really liked, I like tricks quite a lot. Um, I like the one that Evan Smith did in the semifinals, the wall ride. I, I can't even describe these tricks. Like when you link too many things together, like my, my memory just, <laughs> is not good enough. Um, even in the space of like a 10 second trick, I can't do it. But where he focused his board and landed on a broken board, yeah. that was amazing. I really love that. Um, and then the uh, the highlight that you made sure that I watched, Telvin Hofler. Yeah, that's what um, I was just going to mention. Oh, that was a beautiful trick. That was amazing. So every, everyone um, should go. Everyone I'll, should I'll go. Describe it. Can yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is uh, Kelvin Hofler. This is the fourth take of the best trick in the finals and this is a trick that he was trying to they i think they showed a video of him doing it in a previous competition on a different on a on a not on a downhill rail but just on a on a flat horizontal rail um and he tried to do this on the third take and he just you know he couldn't he couldn't get the board around but what he does is he he ollies up onto kind of the big ledge uh the big set piece that they had in the in kind of the front of the course and he does I think it's a 360 kickflip into a nose slide and then he spins the board around so that he's doing it he comes off of the trick doing a tail slide and it was just incredible to see that well it was smooth and it defied gravity and it was completely I mean for me it was completely unexpected having watched the rest of his I I know he came in third but I mean that move was 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 just platinum it was amazing um and i just wasn't expecting it and it was the kind of uh, trick so yeah too, that was up there it was the kind of trick too where it's like it it has like a little bit of danger to it it has but i, I mean there's like this combination of like something that he's perfected and that he's trying to do kind of a couple of times in a row but it still has this sort of like uh danger and like otherworldliness that that just made it 
so much fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was dangerous. And he's one of those skaters where it looked like he was trying. It was not an effortless trick. <laughs> but in that moment, when he did, in that spin from a tail slide to another slide, that was an effortless part of a trick that looked completely difficult. Um, and it was just so compelling. Yeah, so that was, that was definitely, I think, my favorite single trick. I have to say, the thing that I really enjoyed about the best trick competition is that I was a little bit worried about it going in, thinking it was going to be more like the X Games, which is sort of like razzle-dazzle. Um, and, you know, the best tricks could just be like a tail slide, like a kickflip into a tail slide, and that's the trick. Um, it, it wasn't like backflips and frontflips and, like, really insane stuff. Um, and in the semifinals, like, it was a very sort of, I thought... Uh, the, the runs were, were really well put together, but the best trick competitions were very humanizing where, um, you know, they, they fell a lot. They yeah. rolled around on the ground a lot. It was not perfection. And it was sort of more like what I see skateboarding as, which is like, you know, you have four or five tries to, to lay down a few tricks and you're going to, you're going to fall on a few of them. Yeah. Um, and that's really compelling for me. Yeah, no, I loved it. And I, uh, I look forward to whatever the next event is, which is, I think, the Super Crown, maybe, or or whatever the kind of the final skating competition of the season is. So, you you know what, Justin, I I'm gonna lobby you for something, which is these skating competitions are fantastic. They are really they're fun. They're fun. Mm. I'll give you that. But I think that in skateboarding, like Rob Durdeck is trying to make this competition the big game, but I think the big game is really sort of like a skate video. So like the, the death wish video where these guys have been working on them for like, you know, like a year or two years putting together like their biggest, raddest tricks. Right. Um, and it's not point based, but I feel like that's what, that's where the enthusiasm is. Um, especially like when I used to go to the skate shop, especially around the death wish video, that was like a highly anticipated video. People would be like, Hey man, have you seen that death wish video? Hey man, what, when's that death wish video coming out? So I feel like that might be a big game for skateboarding. Okay, so we'll we'll do the next big video that drops. How about that? That would be super fun. Okay, well, hopefully that will be soon, and we'll have you back on the podcast. Thanks for coming, Nick. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to The Big Game. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Leave a review if you like what you hear. Drop me a line on Twitter at BigGamePod and check out our website, BigGamePod.com, where you can go listen to all of our previous episodes, including the Summer X Games episode with today's guest, Nick Courage. All right, that's it for me, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you next time here on The Big Game. Listen to this. Listen to this. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> that's, hey. a, that's a monster energy drink right there for you. <laughs>